welcome to the Badass Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Fox, and today I'm going to be chatting with two guests. Both are poets and fiction writers, and you're going to be hearing some tips about marketing, especially for those who are introverted or shy about putting themselves out there. You'll hear about using poetry to help your fiction writing, and you'll hear what a living poem is. There are also some tips on how you can start writing poetry and how to discover your strengths in writing. So today's guest is Shelby Lee. She's a poet and mental health advocate who has been writing on the internet for seven plus years, amassing a following of more than 400,000 readers. She is the author of the best-selling book, Changing with the Tides, which is being republished by Gallery Books in July 2022. Her third poetry book is forthcoming in January 2023 with Central Avenue Publishing. In addition to writing poetry, Shelby hosts monthly poetry workshops and serves authors through poetry book editing and marketing strategies. So I will put her contact information in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, chatting with me today. So Shelby, let's talk a little bit about your poetry first. Um, the themes that you tackle include mental health, self-love, healing, etc. What got you interested in writing poems and what made you decide to pursue publication? Yeah, sure. Great question. And thanks for having me, Kathleen. I actually kind of fell into writing poetry accidentally. It wasn't very purposeful. And I'll talk about what I mean by that. Um, but really, whenever I was growing up, I always wrote fiction. I wrote a lot of short stories. I wrote a novel in high school. I thought that being a fiction novelist was going to be my path. It's what I always wanted to do. And whenever I started college, I think subconsciously I needed an avenue to navigate these big transitions in my life and express myself beyond just the journaling that I did and shared only with myself. <laughs> and so I said, you know, you've always said you wanted to be a writer. Let's actually do it. Let's share our writing. So that's how it started. And I started writing a poem a day for a year and posting it on a blog on Tumblr back in the day <laughs> that I started. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go into it with the intention of becoming a poet or growing an audience. I didn't really see myself doing that. And I actually started it anonymously and kept it that way for nearly a year of writing every single day. And by the end of the year, I had a decent following and they were actually the reason that I self-published my first book, which was a collection of poems back in 2016. So that's how I got started. I really just was looking for an outlet for my own emotions and feelings and found readers along the way that resonated with that. Awesome. And then it took off from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There were some readers saying like, you should put these into a book. Um, and so I, I self-published that book. And then that's when I kind of transitioned from Tumblr to expanding onto Instagram and um, now TikTok, which I love so much and, mm -hmm. and all of the other social media platforms. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could tell me what your favorite piece is, if you have one that you've written so far, and maybe if you can talk about a little bit about your inspiration for poetry and what you would recommend people to read, like your, your favorite poetry books that you've read. Sure. Yeah. So I can start with my favorite pieces that I've written and then talk about some other poets that I love. So the, there's two that come to mind for me, um, which are both in, in different books of mine. So one of them is from my first book, which again was back in 2016. And I'm sure a lot of writers listening to this can relate to growing so much as a writer. So since that book came out, um, sometimes it just doesn't even feel like me. I'm like, don't read this book. Don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2016 because um, I feel so far removed from it. But it's also a good marker of how much I've, I've grown. But there's a poem in there about my grandfather, who was really the first person I lost at an age where I was old enough to have memories of him and remember him and really feel that loss. And so that was the first time I really wrote about anyone in my life that had passed away. And it really helped me navigate those feelings. So that's toward the end of my first book. And I, I look back fondly on that poem. And the second one is called To the Person I Am Today. And I would say that it's probably my most popular poem just in terms of like social media sharing and listens and things like that. And it's a letter that I wrote to myself about self-love and treating myself better. And it's resonated with millions of people. Like I said, it's kind of crazy how many times that poem has been read and shared and listened to online. And it's both heartbreaking and beautiful to know that so many people resonate with that piece. 
and are promising to treat themselves better. And that's something you asked, you know, what inspires me. And I think I do it for myself in terms of healing that I talked about before and just finding an avenue to express myself and what I'm going through. But as I've done it more and more and found more and more readers, it's really inspiring to me knowing that I'm able to help other people and they're kind of helping me feel less alone in the process. So it's kind of a two-way street. And I love that about poetry and just writing in general. And then in terms of uh, the second part of your question with favorite poets, I think the first poet that I really remember loving is Sylvia Plath. I think that her confessional style and the way that she wrote about mental health in a time where it wasn't so common to talk about it is really inspiring to me. And um, I also love Emily Dickinson. She's another one with a bit more happier poems, um, although she has some some dark ones as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in terms of some of today's poets, a poet that I've really been loving lately, her name is Taylor Bias. Um, B-Y-A-S is her last name. And she was actually a guest workshop host a couple of months ago for a poetry group that I run. And she writes so beautifully. I really highly recommend checking her out as well. And so you currently have two poetry collections published and one of which was a a number one bestseller on Amazon. So that's amazing. Um, And you have a third collection launching next January. So how has that publication process been for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's been really interesting. I feel like I've, I've had a bit of a unique experience. So I mentioned I, I self-published my first book and then I self-published my second book and it did well, which was amazing. And so it's actually being republished by gallery books in this July, um, which I'm really excited for, like really looking forward to that. And then, yes, I have another book, uh, the third book coming out in January of next year. So I've kind of had a unique experience or journey with having a self-published book, a traditionally published book, and then a self-published book that has become a traditionally published book. So I've been learning a ton and really enjoying the process. I'm learning to step back. Um, you know, other people are in control now versus, you know, I was completely in control of every decision when I self-published, but I've really been loving working with these publishers. Everyone's been wonderful. So I feel very fortunate. Awesome. Something that I just wanted to go back to, um, because you had said that you always wanted to publish fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you, is that something that you still write or do you only focus on the poetry? Yeah, my that's a good question. My focus for the past six or seven years has been poetry. Um, but this year I actually is the first year that I've started up with fiction again. And it feels really good to get back to that. Um, because that's really how I started writing growing up, as I mentioned. So yeah, I'm in a fiction writing group. It's just a small group um, that meet once a week and we just are casually writing fiction. It's nice not to really have any pressure on myself in terms of publishing because with poetry, I I do kind of put pressure on myself in terms of like this is probably going to be published. Um, so it's nice to just be casually writing something um, that's fiction. So yeah, I don't really have any plans in terms of publishing, but I definitely, I think I would like to in the future continue doing both poetry and expanding into fiction. Yeah. I mean, it's always nice to be able to, like you said, just kind of do it casually without the pressure. And, you know, it's, if it's something that you want to pursue and, and publish in that, that'd be awesome. So how would that work for publishing? Because you are represented for your poetry, would you then have to kind of start the process all over again for traditionally publishing your, if you went down that avenue for your fiction? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I think so. I think that I probably would um, at this time, the, yeah, the agency I'm represented by, I believe just strictly does poetry. Um, so I think if that's something that I wanted to take more seriously, I would have to you know, either see if they're interested in pursuing that or if I you know, would have to find a second agent for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so how does the decision-making process go for you when you're writing your poetry and you decide that you want to publish a book? Is it something that where you have a collection already and you're thinking, oh, these would fit well into a, a collection or I have this idea I'm going to sit down and try to write the poems now to fit into what I want to do. Yeah, that's a good question. I've done it differently, a little bit differently for each book. Um, My first book, I don't really even (laughs) count it as a book writing process because I, um, as I mentioned, I wrote a poem a day for a year and then I picked my favorites to put into a book and I ordered them in a way that told a story, but they weren't intentionally written as a collection of poems, whereas my second and third book were. So for those two, I had the ideas and the themes in mind in advance, and then I wrote the poems to fit those ideas and themes. 
they weren't necessarily written in order, but they were covering the themes that I wanted. And then at that point, I put them into an order that I thought made sense and told the story that I wanted to tell. Um, in the case of my second book, I had a good selection of poems already written. And so I also looked back at those ones that hadn't, hadn't been published at that point and picked any that I thought fit the themes of the collection as well. So it's kind of a out of order process for me. Yeah. Yeah. So on top of writing your own poetry, you also offer workshops for other people. So can you kind of go through what a typical workshop looks like? Sure. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. It's something that I started last year in 2021 and we do one virtual poetry workshop per month, either hosted by me or by a guest poet. Members can request what poets they want to see lead a workshop, um, but I also pick some of my favorites as well that I think would lead a good workshop. And so they're typically around an hour. Um, we just meet virtually via video chat and learn something new, whether it's about form or technique or getting out of our comfort zones with the topics that we write about. So there's the lesson piece, and then there's time to write and apply what we've learned. And then we can share or ask questions to me or the guest host. And yeah, it's really one of the most fun things that I've done since being a writer. It's so wonderful to gather with other poets, even virtually. And we, ac we actually have fiction writers too, writers mm -hmm. who want to add more imagery and poetic language to their fiction. So we have a wonderful growing group for the workshops. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And so you were saying you get fiction writers as well. So do you, it, it, it sounds like it's kind of a mix between experienced poets and, you know, people that may not have written any poems before, or how do you tackle yeah. that, that when there's such a, a wide range? Yeah, definitely. We have a mix of yeah people that have never written a poem before and really want to. And then we have people who have multiple books published. Um, and then, yeah, we have people who are have only really written fiction and they kind of want to explore poetry, but then, like I said, also learn those techniques to use in their fiction. So it's, it's really interesting to have that kind of diverse group together. Um, but when it comes to the workshops, something that I've learned is that even if you already know a technique, so if it's someone that is really experienced, um, having a refresher or a reframing of something that you already know can be really helpful too. So for example, in the past, we did an intro to poetry techniques and I was covering imagery and metaphors and any experienced poet, of course, would probably know what those are and are using them. But some of the feedback that I've gotten from those experienced poets were like, yeah, I know what they are, but hearing them explain in a different way sparked this new idea or yeah, I know what that is, but I actually haven't used it in a while. So I don't do anything super special in the workshops to accommodate that. I just make it known that we have a variety of backgrounds and whether you've written one poem or a thousand poems, you're welcome here. And you will take something away from being in a group of other poets who are sharing and asking questions with you too. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I was in my teens, like many, many, many ones ago, um, I, I dabbled in poetry, but it was more, you know, it, it was me wanting to get my feelings out. And just it was it was a way for me to express things that I was going through as a teenager. But I haven't really I haven't written a poem since then. So I would consider myself a new a new, you know, new to poetry. So for any listeners that are out there that are wondering more about poetry, what would you say is something that you should focus on? If you're just wanting to start, like what, what would be the, you know, the top one or two things to uh -huh. remember when you want to start getting into writing poetry? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first one, of course, and I recommend this for any genre that you write is to read a yeah. lot of the genre that you want to write. So read a lot of poetry, absorb a lot of poetry. There are so many different forms and techniques and you'll find a lot of rules, um, but I'm on the side of poetry that I don't think that there are rules. Of course, there are forms and rhyme schemes that you can use, but I also think that you can free verse it and just get out your feelings on paper. So I think just reading a lot and finding what you like and what you don't like is extremely helpful. And then also just don't let people gatekeep what you write. Um, you'll see, especially with a lot of more modern poetry, people saying this isn't poetry, but people are reading it and people love it. So I think that it's really important to stay true to yourself and write what you want to write and read a lot of poetry along the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely read. And yes, that's true for, for anything. You learn so much by reading, right? Seeing what other people do and, and taking in what they're sharing with you. Something else that you offer is author branding and marketing services. So can you give our listeners a little bit more about that? 
Sure. Yes, absolutely. So I studied marketing in college and I worked in marketing for some large brands, both during and after college before pursuing writing and my business full-time. And I love marketing dearly. I know that it's a sore subject for a lot of writers. (laughs) So I decided to start working with writers on their marketing. And my goal is really to help other writers feel confident in marketing themselves and their books. So I have some online marketing courses coming out. I think by the time this podcast comes out, they'll actually, they'll be available. Um, I have a course on digital marketing foundations. So everything from your author website to email marketing to collaborations. Um, I also have a guide strictly on TikTok marketing, which is one of my favorite platforms. And also just one on social media marketing um, in general, which is my personal favorite. It's what I focus on most with my authors. And then for one-to-one services, I offer personalized author marketing strategies um, based on what the writer likes to do or doesn't like to do marketing wise. So I put together a strategy for them um, and also do do just general marketing strategy calls and we brainstorm ideas, whether it's for your book launch or, you know, you've had your book out for a while and you're not seeing the sales that you want to see. Um, So I do strategy calls as well, which are really fun. Okay. And do you get any authors who haven't had their books published yet, like that are trying to build their brand ahead of time? Yes, definitely. I would say probably maybe a third of the authors that I work with are pre-book and they're just either starting their writing journey or they've been writing for a while, but aren't really like growing the audience that they want or just want to get that publishing knowledge so that they have that audience, not necessarily completely necessary to get a book deal, but can help in this day and age. So yeah, I have authors that I work with before a book is written or before a book is published as well. And yes, like you said, um, when it comes to writing and and all of the things that go with it, the marketing can be scary for a lot of writers, especially the more introverted ones. So how do you tackle building an author brand and creating those marketing strategies for those of us who are scared of the internet (laughs) or, you know, more introverted and not so, you know, public speaking and things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm definitely an introvert and definitely had a huge fear of public speaking for a long time. So I can definitely um, relate to that and empathize with that. I like to talk with authors about what they're comfortable with and stretch them a little bit out of their comfort zone. So for example, video is really popular right now and you'll see every social media marketing person recommending that you get on TikTok and you get on Instagram reels and show your face and do these trends. And those are great. And personally, I have a lot of fun with those, but they aren't necessary and definitely can scare people away from social media. So I get that. And I don't think you have to do things like that. So like I said earlier, I started anonymously on social media and I didn't show my face or even say my name until right before I self-published my first book, which I don't necessarily recommend that strategy. But if you need to start more privately to feel comfortable, I think that that's totally okay. If you don't like being on video, but you like talking about your experience, you can do a voiceover video where you like flip through your book and talk about it without being on camera or maybe being a guest on podcasts that fit your target audience is the way to go. If you don't like talking at all and the written word is where you do your best work, then you can blog or guest blog or social media captions are where you can stand out and connect with your target readers. I always do recommend showing your face through pictures a little bit, um, even if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, just kind of stretching out of the comfort zone that I talked about, giving your readers a behind the scenes look at what you're working on and aspects of your life that will make them relate to you more and really connect with you. And as I said, I do encourage the writers I work with to just step out of their comfort zone a little bit. That's how we improve at everything in life, Um, but really play to your strengths and your personality. So you can even get vulnerable about how much you hate marketing, right? You can talk about your fear of public speaking or, you know, being an introvert. I'm sure your readers can resonate with that vulnerability too. So I think that you can kind of play it to your advantage. Yeah, definitely. I mean, doing this, this is totally out of my comfort zone. A year ago, I would not have imagined that I would be doing this this podcast speaking. I I know it's, you know, it's edited and it's just voices and things like that, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's stretching out of my comfort zone. But by doing that, I mean, it's open doors. It's gotten me used to it. It's kind of setting the stage for the comfort level. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's, well, I was going to say dipping my toes in, but I kind of jumped in. <laughs> yeah. That's the best it, way to do it sometimes. Yeah. 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 So, and I think, you know, I, I do, I see that a lot online where, you know, especially on Twitter where people are 
typing in a little box and you can't see anything and you can't hear anything. And, and there's, a, there's a certain comfort level with that. And they're, you know, they talk about how they hate the marketing. It's so hard. They don't like this. They don't like that. And I think there's a lot of us out there that don't like that aspect, but the reality is that's kind of a part of, of being a writer and, and wanting to publish books. Right. So you're going to, you, you have to kind of stretch those boundaries a little bit and mm-hmm. get used to things and, and, and it'll come, it'll come, it'll happen. It's, you just got to build yourself up to it. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And the longer you delay it, the longer it will be before you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I always say like, just, just start, even if you're starting really small, it's better than, you know, putting it off for months yeah. or even years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My last question was, what would your top five marketing strategy tips be for writers who are a little shy when mm-hmm. it comes to getting themselves out of that comfort zone? So if you could name five things that they should do kind of right off the bat, what mm-hmm. would those five things be? Yeah. So I would say um, taking it slow. So if you're new to marketing, don't try to do everything at once because you'll probably lead to burnout or just being really overwhelmed. Um, I always recommend with my authors to start with like two platforms that you show up on a consistent basis with, whether that's two social media platforms or like one social media and a blog or an email newsletter or a podcast, and don't try to be everywhere at once. Um, So that's the first tip that I would say. I think coming back to focusing on why you do this, um, and I can't speak for every writer out there, but for myself and many writers that I've spoken to, we want to share our words with the world. That's kind of our, that's our goal. We want our stories to be heard and read and make an impact and marketing is necessary for that. So think about the why and remember that when you're feeling nervous or apprehensive about marketing, what your ultimate goal is, especially for the introverts and the shy people out there is to use technology to your advantage. So I think going back to video, that's a big fear for people of not knowing what to say or feeling awkward or just freezing up on a live stream or something like that. So have an outline of what you want to say, some bullet points written down. And if you really want some guidance when filming your video, this is a top secret, (laughs) but there are teleprompter apps that you can use while filming a video that will show you your script or your notes while you're filming on your phone and your audience will have no idea. I definitely did that whenever I was first starting out, getting more active on video and Instagram stories and things like that and doing more live streams. And it can really help you ease the tension and feel more comfortable when you know that you have a backup plan if you forget what to say. And then as you practice, that gets a lot easier and you don't have to rely on that anymore. But that's definitely a tip that I recommend if you're really nervous about video or just social media in in general. Yeah, Um, that is... That is probably my worst fear is forgetting what to say. Like I said, I've got my list here that I refer to and I always forget. My brain just goes, nope, not happening. (laughs) So, Yeah. And I I definitely recommend that. But at the same time, like you don't have to be perfect. I think that's another tip is just taking away that stress. Like people, this might sound like cruel, but people are focusing on themselves. They're not really focusing on you as much as you think they are. Um, especially whenever you're trying to sell something such as your book, like they want to know what they can get out of it. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's important to have your brand as an author and show us about you. But if you are shy or introverted, just reframe it as from talking about yourself to instead showing your readers what they will get from your book or whatever piece of writing you want them to read. So talk about the benefits, even if it's just entertainment or they'll get a new perspective from reading your book, just reframe that. So you're not thinking you know, oh, all these people are watching me and criticizing me or whatever your fears may be with social media. People are there to be entertained and learn new things. So your goal with marketing should be to add to that and help your readers see what benefit you can bring them. Yeah. Well, Shelby, thank you so much for giving us all those tips. I don't often have poets on the podcast, so I was really excited about that. Like I said, I'm not a poet myself, but I think there's a lot of people who enjoy it and and you know, maybe want to dabble in it, but they're not sure about it and that. So I'm I'm glad to have you as a guest today. And also to share all these amazing tips about marketing, because that's a huge aspect, no matter what you write. Absolutely. Yeah. It applies to any genre. I hope some more people get into poetry. I think it's so accessible these days Yeah, and it's such a great way to get into a new writing style. Or again, like I said before, like if you're a fiction writer, Poetry techniques are absolutely so important for building imagery and building worlds in your book. So I think that it can be so helpful for no matter what genre you write. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's such beautiful language out there. And it makes sense that poetry would be kind of a way into that to understand it better. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me. Of course, this was great. It was great meeting you and and getting to be on your podcast. Thank you. Today's guest is Joseph Fasano, an American novelist, poet, and songwriter. His novels include The Swallows of Lunetto, coming out in fall of 2022, and The Dark Heart of Every Wild Thing, which was named one of the 20 best small press books of 2020. His books of poetry include The Crossing, Vincent, Inheritance, and Fugue for Other Hands. His honors include the Cider Press Review Book Award, the Rattle Poetry Prize, seven Pushcart Prize nominations, and a nomination for the Poets Prize, awarded annually for the best book of verse published by a living American poet two years prior to the award year. He is the founder of the Poem for You series, and his most recent project is a living poem for his son, which he is live tweeting at stars underscore poem. So first of all, welcome, Joseph. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So first of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what this living poem is that you've been creating for your son? What is a living poem and what made you decide to create a poem in this way? Absolutely. You know, it's it's funny because so many of my writing projects seem to happen organically, which is to say mysteriously to me. And before my son was born, you know, it just occurred to me one night to to start posting some lines that were just haunting me and to start doing it in, a, in this public way. And honestly, it took me two or three days to realize that I was, I was speaking to him. I was speaking to my unborn son and, you know, kind of started to focus the project. He came into the world two weeks early. My wife and I joke that he has a mind of his own already, yeah. <laughs> but we, we as children seem to have a way of having, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. And, you know, the phrase living poem occurred to me because, you know, there's something about organically allowing these lines to manifest themselves. Something about the Twitter platform, which I, of course, I suppose everybody does have a love-hate relationship with. Yeah. Um, You know, you cannot revise something once it's been, you know, posted to Twitter. You can delete it. You can, you know, and to me, that really mirrors what I'm experiencing in these early months of fatherhood as very much the experience of parenthood. You cannot change what you did on Tuesday. You can you can try to do something else moving forward. And so something, as I say, this started unconsciously, but I've become conscious of the idea that the forum and the form in which I'm sharing this poem is very much a mirror of, of some aspect of, of parenting. So it's, it's organic, it develops, you learn, you leave your mistakes hanging out there, which I'm very uncomfortable with as a writer. But it's it's a it's a really interesting experiment to uh, to embark on. Yeah, I love that. I I love the kind of the analogy there and, and the similarities between parenting and and writing and putting it out there and yeah, not being able to reverse what you've done and just kind of going forward with it. That's a really great way of looking at it. I've never I've never looked at it like that before. So since you began this project, it's kind of taken off on social media. You've been on the news, et cetera. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, I always find it funny. You know, some years ago, I had uh, written a book called Vincent, which was more or less a dramatic monologue in the voice of a fictionalized version of, of a character who was based on a on a real life character. It was based on the the Vince Lee story, which um, your listeners can Google at their own risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, (laughs) that was was something uh, that I I got a lot of press for. And I was sort of too young and too maybe naive to understand that if you do anything in mass media, uh, it's really not going to have a lot to do with the real work. Uh, So I sort of backed away from doing things for a while, but I have been so, my heart has been so warmed by this response. I've my cynicism has gone down and there have just been some wonderful media uh, coverage people have reached out to me. And I think, I think maybe it's because on a very simple level, we can all relate to wanting a fresh start in this really challenging, uh, difficult landscape that we find ourselves in, um, you know, with COVID, with any number of things we could all rattle off. And so perhaps the willful naivete and, and open 
eyed quality of this poem. Perhaps people are connecting to it not only maybe as parents, but also as sort of the child inside us receiving this poem. I know on some level I'm writing to that that child inside me as well. So, you know, I've really been I've really been very comforted by by that response that it's received. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know that um I came across you on Twitter and the the living poem and I was interested in that and it's, you know, I've I've seen some of your lines there and it they're definitely I think they can hit a lot of people in a lot of different ways, even if you're not a parent, like you said, I have five kids. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So it's so kind you of, you know, the journey. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, but you know, some of those, some, sometimes you just read something and it, it kind of takes you back to certain moments in your life as well. I kind of, just to go back to what you were saying about not being able to, you know, go back and redo Tuesday, for example, as a parent, you're learning and growing as as you're going along. So it's interesting that you're kind of documenting that as you're growing. And it, it could be different every day, right? Are there any plans to collect all of the tweets and publish this someday in a book for your son? You know, my wife and I have been speaking about this. My my wife is a wonderful visual artist. And, and we were thinking, you know, it would be great to just maybe do something in a non-traditional publishing way. And assemble you know just a few of them and and to accompany that with with some sort of visual art and maybe make kind of coffee table book as it were we're thinking about that i kind of want to let it develop maybe for the first year of my son's life and uh, you know yeah there i think that could be a wonderful thing something that people could hold in their hands or or give to their children mm-hmm. because really that is that is the heart of this project is sort of about giving and and what I think my whole work really is tending in that direction. Uh, in the early years of a writer's career, you, you go down into that that wellspring of yourself, that sometimes that abyss of yourself, and you you look and you discover. And for me, you know, um, be 40 years old in a few weeks and I'm a father now and things are changing and I want to reach out. You know, I want to to think about um, you know others in a different way. And, and this project is a part of that, I think. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's wonderful what you're doing. And so that kind of sort of answers my next question, even though you're creating this for your son, what, what are the strong, what are the strongest message that you're hoping that other readers will take from it? I think the idea that whether you're a young person or young at heart, that you sort of have this work, this great work inside you to not be afraid of any part of yourself. You know, and that can sound cliche as I rattle it off, but you know, there are there are battles being fought in the sort of public sphere right now. And, you know, I don't know what my son, how he will identify as he gets older, but I know that conversations, for example, around the word masculinity are very charged, uh, you know, lately. And, you know, I have a line in the poem, something like, you know, the idea that his, if he chooses to be a man, his life is not a crime. You know, th- it, it doesn't have to apply just to men, of course, but this idea that, you know, don't let any sort of public or group think tell you how to feel about any aspect of yourself, right. you know? And so I try to teach my son that through these words and to teach myself that. And again, these things are easy to say, hard to live. Mm-hmm. And I think we need each other, you know, in that because any kind of thinking that makes anathema any group of people, whether it's gender, with anything, is, mm-hmm. is sick thinking, neurotic mm-hmm. thinking. Yeah. And so we're on a big project publicly to try to integrate all the different aspects of ourselves without projecting things in ourselves that we dislike into mm-hmm. others. And 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 I think you know, in in this very quiet way with this little project, uh, I will say that is a, a large part of my thinking. You know, how mm-hmm. do we integrate and and love all the different parts of ourselves, and how do I create an environment? For my son in which he feels free to do that yeah I love that that's absolutely beautiful I think everybody should think that way <laughs> mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners about the poem for you series what is it and how did you get involved in that sure thank you for asking about that the at the very early days of the pandemic I was doing what a lot of people were doing trying to stay sane when none of us knew what was going on <laughs> yeah and um, I, at that point, was using social media to, uh, you know, I believe very much in 
bringing poetry especially back to the human voice. Um, and we were all so separated from one another at that point that other people were doing this as well. And I sort of chimed into the chorus and I would, I would post little videos on Twitter and Instagram and other platforms of myself reading poems. Very rarely it would be a poem of mine, but most often it was a poem, somebody, you know, that I really admired that I felt, you know, that I needed to hear that day. And I started to, to get a wonderful response to this. And I remember one day I woke up and I said, you know, why don't I just ask people what poem they want to hear today? And I had such an overwhelming response that I realized, you know what, there's a community here. Mm -hmm. And so I started what I called the Poem for You series. And the whole project is very simple. It's predicated on being a digital space where people can request recitations of poems that they want to hear in the voice of a human being. And so, of course, it started, it was just sort of me doing the readings, but that's no community at all. So I reached out to many poets and, you know, we've had Jericho Brown has read a poem for us. Mahogany Brown has read a poem for us. Robert Pinsky has read poems for us. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And so it's a wonderful space in which, you know, we still have a a backlog of of requests, but uh, we try to take them as they come in. Sometimes I'll have a special guest come in and just read a poem that they they want to share. But that's really it. It's just a, a digital space. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram for people to say, hey, I would love to hear X, Y, or Z in the human voice. And we get we get a great passionate reader to give that gift to them. That's wonderful. And so the guest readers that you have, are they reading their own poems or are they reading nope, something always, that someone... Yeah, it's always something either that's been requested okay. or something that they just want to bring in and with the whole spirit being you know, just, just pass on the love. So yeah. it's poets supporting poets um, all the way through. That is lovely. I love that. Thanks. And then in addition to poetry, you also write novels. So what came first for you, novels or poetry? When I was, uh, and I'll give you the abridged version of this, when <laughs> I was uh, an undergraduate at Harvard University there, as you may know, actually there there's not really an undergraduate creative writing program per se at that university. It's part of its, you know, I love that university, but it's part of its momentum. You know, very mm -hmm. rarely do new things happen there. Right. But uh, there was a poetry writing class with Jory Graham, and there was a fiction writing class with Jamaica Kincaid, and it was, you had to apply to them. I applied to both those programs, probably turning in dreadful work of an 18-year-old <laughs> solipsist, but I was admitted to both of them, and I thought, well, which one do I want to do? And it really wasn't a question for me at that point. Poetry called me. Mm -hmm. And I, it's very funny that I used to, you know, when I was a boy, when I was younger, perhaps I would think in terms of fiction. But for the first, I don't know, maybe 10 years of my writing career publishing, it was poems, poems, poems. And as a matter of fact, if someone would suggest to me, are you going to write a novel? I would almost take umbrage because it was a feeling of, you know, that's maybe perceived as more marketable or something. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, what happens is, again, it must be six years ago now, I sat down one day at my writing desk and I find myself writing a novel. It, it really came, uh, novels in some sense came, came second. Uh, but now they're, they are very much what, what consumes me. I've, I'm sort of split down the middle. <laughs> okay. So you don't enjoy one more than the other. You kind of like them both equally or for different reasons? For different reasons, I'd say. Writing mm -hmm. fiction, I always joke that it's sort of more sanity inducing. And so far as you must, you know, wake up in the morning, at least know where you're starting. There's a different pace to it. There's mm -hmm. a different energy to it. Yeah, I would say yeah, all of that. It feels very, very different to be writing fiction. I just even, uh, you know, I'm in some strange circumstances now in my life right now, but I just started working on a new novel uh, yesterday. And it's just, I don't know if you're a fiction writer as well, but it is very strange to begin working on a book. You are looking yeah. at five, six years of a project, maybe, you know, at minimum. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a slower, more glacial kind of movement, whereas sometimes a poem can be a bolt of lightning. Right, right. And when you write your fiction, you're talking about a lengthy project. Is it something that you kind of go into with just an idea or do you outline everything first? The two novels, that the first that, had, that came out in 2020 and my second that's coming out uh, in November, were, were very different experiences. But I will say that most often I begin, yes, with a general sense of the shape that it's going to take. But I like to write from character out rather than plot in, uh, sort of in the way we live our lives. You know, you, mm -hmm. your destiny is, is more about who you are 
as a person, as an identity, as opposed to saying you're going to hit plot point A, B, C, D in your life. So for me, writing fiction is an exercise very much in going into characters. My novels so far have limited themselves to few characters and gone deeply into them. And listening to those characters, kind of deciding what their destinies are based on, on who they are. So it's a combination of something is planned, there's a general shape, and then I discover a lot of it as I go. Mm-hmm. That discovery writing is enjoyable. I oh, do tend to, yeah, I used to kind of pants my way through novels and now I've moved to outlining, but there are still some areas where I like that discovery writing because it's exciting. Mm-hmm. You, you get oh, a yeah. different feeling when you're, when you're discovery writing. And so your latest novel, as you mentioned, The Swallows of Luneto is due out this fall. Can you give our listeners a little premise? You know, it's so funny, just as you said its title, it gave me a little shiver of joy because you know <laughs> what it's like to work on something in total solitude for so many years. And you you never, no matter how many books you publish, you're never sure it's going to see the light of day or whether it should. And it's starting to become real and, and hearing it in people's voices is a wonderful experience. This book took me back to my roots on my father's side, my Italian heritage, and which is very complicated for me. But I'll just give the abridged version and say that the novel begins at the the very end of the Second World War in Calabria, in Italy. And it's a novel about a young man who has found himself at a very young age, having participated in that war, having fought uh, with uh, Mussolini's Republic of Salo, having done some things that he's not proud of at all. And he begins uh, with this sort of guilt, this burden that he's carrying with him. And it becomes a novel about how we get dragged into things like political movements that perhaps hijack our own personal pain and use that personal pain for their own benefit. And of course, I imagine as I'm talking, you can hear the parallels and resonances with movements and political movements that are Mm -hmm. going on in our own country today. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a novel very much about how that happens and, you know, to try to look at it from the inside out. And uh, of course, me being who I am. Uh, it has to be a love story as well. So that's there. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And what has your experience been with publishing your book so far? My first book was, I guess it won the 2011 Cider Press Review Book Award and came out in 2013. And uh, it was just lovely because, you know, once you you have sort of some books of poems out there and and you realize that people can hold your work in, in their hands and spend time with it and be quiet with it, has been very nice. As I say, the only strange experience I had with publishing was that that book, Vincent, which sort of a bit polarizing. I'm very proud of that book. I don't know if many people are reading it, but I'm very proud of that one. <laughs> and then novels, you know, very different, right? The readership mm-hmm. is different. The expectations are different. And I'm pretty sure at this point, most people who pick up a book by me perhaps have a sense of what they're going to get. But uh, I joke all the time that... Uh, most of my reviews for my first novel were wonderfully positive. And I tell my students, I had a negative review that said, you know, Joseph Bassano writes novels like a poet. And this was not meant as praise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, and, but I take it as such because I, I am very interested in writing novels that do two things. One, that move the reader uh, in terms of plot. I am concerned with plot. I don't sort of look down upon it. Uh, but also that savor the sentences that are beautiful. And so my experience of publishing has been, I imagine what a lot of people's experiences are, which is wonderful, exciting, nerve wracking, you know, all that. But mm-hmm. you've got, got one life and you've got to put the work out there. And, uh, you know, you'll you'll connect to people that, that are meant to connect. Yeah, absolutely. And so going back to the prizes that you've mentioned as well, can you tell us a little bit about some of those that you've been nominated for? Um, Seems like there's been quite a few, which is fantastic. Yeah, thanks for asking. It was meaningful for me. Uh, I had had a correspondence with the the poet Linda Paston. I think I had published a poem, one of the poems that was uh, on the Academy of American Poets Poem a Day program. And I had published a poem and she she wrote to me and she... um, sort of used my poem as a stepping off place to write something of her own that was in conversation with it. And we're very different poets, but I admire her work. And, um, you know, she wrote to me a couple months later and said that she had nominated me for that uh, Poets Prize, which, oh. which, which to me is particularly meaningful because, as the name suggests, it's sort of 
from your peers. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just prizes can be so political, can be so all the things we know they can be, but that was a meaningful one to me. It was like, you know, it was my first book and it was, you know, your peers are, are really uh, admiring what you're doing and, and giving you that respect. So, yeah, as you say, I've been blessed and there are a lot of, you know, prizes and nominations that have come my way, but that one's particularly meaningful to me for that reason. That's wonderful. And speaking of poets that you admire, what poets have inspired you and whose poetry would you recommend others to read? There are so many, but I, I like to start with the living. <laughs> and uh, I have a correspondence uh, with Ilya Kaminsky and uh, reached out to him a few years ago. And it's funny, we bumped into each other on the street in New York a little while. You know, I don't know when it was last year or something. And uh, he has said some nice things about my books, but I, I think he's he's the real deal, as a lot of people know. Um, just really a tremendous uh, poet and one of our best poets working today. So uh, there are so many wonderful poets working today, but he's one that I point out among the living. In terms of poets that that I admire from, from the past, the list is endless, but certainly one that I can mention who keeps coming back for me again and again is uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins. And uh, it's funny, I have so many different poet friends who have such different tastes in poetry, but he seems to be a common in a lot of people. Uh, the musicality and the spirituality in his work, everything is urgent and innovative, and yet there's a, an element of playfulness to his work, but it's deeply serious play. So he's one you can go back to again and again. I remember in an interview sometime, the American poet Stanley Kunitz, whose work could not be farther from uh, Hopkins, talked about how much Hopkins influenced him. So he's one of those poets who can have a phenomenal uh, influence and inspiration on poets, regardless of their stylistic proclivities. Mm-hmm. What about fiction writers? Uh, Who has inspired your fiction writing? I am a a very big fan of Cormac McCarthy. And uh, he, he of course, uh, has a long-awaited new novel, actually two novels coming out, I think, at the end of this year. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm pretty eclectic in my fiction uh, reading. I really love Marilyn Robinson. Julian Barnes, I think, is a master. But I also, you know, there are books that I reread again and again. I, I think I probably reread uh, Melville's Moby Dick every every mm-hmm. year, you know, because it's just there's so much that you can learn. But those are those are some those are some of the of the big ones that announced themselves to me again and again. It's said quite often, but I do think Cormac McCarthy is somebody who has a poet's soul uh, and really knows how to write dialogue and to set mm-hmm. up a scene and pace a novel. And that's a rare combination of gifts. And I think it's to be admired. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then lastly, what advice would you give to young writers who are discovering what their strengths are in writing, whether that be in poetry or novels? Go into your obsessions <laughs> as yeah. long as it doesn't drive you mad. In other words, we, we, we live in an age, uh, and this is fine, and I teach writing workshops, and I think they can be done very well and very productively. But we do live in an age where the culture of commodification gets very internalized. So it's sort of make it new, make it new, make it new. And you'll uh, see my students uh, giving each other feedback. You know, well, you kind of had a poem last week with that image in it, as though that's a bad thing. Go into the obsessions. Let them come back again and again until they sing whatever they have to sing through you, until they say whatever they have to say through you. You know, don't be afraid you know, to productively repeat yourself in a way or to continually look at something, however strange it may look to other eyes. That and and another piece of advice I often give is give yourself your solitary apprenticeship as well. In an age when we panic when we're not publishing, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, I think I had my first poem either in the Yale Review or the Times Literary Supplement. I was very proud of that. And I was 26, maybe. And Mm -hmm. that seemed early. But now I get my students coming into my office, 19 years old. I haven't published anything yet. Panicking. Mm. And oh, I want to say, goodness. I hear you. And I, I, I love that urgency, right? Yeah. That's great. But I want to say, you know, breathe. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Because sometimes if, if we let the world form us before we've formed even the little seedling of ourselves, we're maybe not going to be able to really grow the trunk and the roots in a really strong way. So just two things from my own experience, both as a writer and as a teacher that I would, I would tell myself again. And, and that I would certainly share with others. 
Yeah. And going back to the obsessions and, and writing about those things that speak to you, I think like there are a million different ways that you can write about one thing that really speaks to you. And I think, especially when you're not necessarily younger, but when you're just getting into writing, however, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your age is, writing about something that is there's some spark in you about something, something that you care about and that you're passionate about. And that passion is going to come through in the writing and writing about it in, you know, umpteen different ways. That's okay. And you're still, you're learning while you're doing that. And you're, you're expressing what that spark is in different ways. And I I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for taking the time out um, to answer these questions. I'm looking forward to seeing more of the lines on on Twitter. And again, that's at stars underscore poem. And also good luck with the publishing of Swallows of Lunetto this fall. Thank you so much. And this really has been a wonderful chat. And and I appreciate what you're doing for for writers and, and for readers. So thank you. Going back for a moment to the living poem concept, Joseph said something that I found really interesting. He said, how do we integrate and love all the different parts of ourselves? And how do I create an environment for my son in which he feels free to do that? I thought that was absolutely beautiful. I find the concept of a living poem fascinating and I encourage you to check out the lines he shares on his Twitter account. Shelby also had a lot of great tips for writers, not just in writing itself, but in marketing. You can check out her website in the show notes and see if she can help you in building your brand and getting yourself out into the world as the badass writer that you obviously are. I thought how both Shelby and Joseph explained what poetry means to them and why they write it was beautiful, and what each of them are doing for those in the greater writing community and beyond is wonderful. So thanks so much for listening. I hope you learned lots today. I hope you enjoyed it. And please tap that follow or subscribe button and take a moment to leave a review if you love the content you're hearing. And of course, keep being badass.